0: Hey Brett, how's it going this week?
1: Good Ange, how are you?
0: Good. Well, that means it's another episode of Money in the Bank, the podcast where we talk about all things related to personal finance and whatever we decide to get up to. So this week is one of my very favorite topics ever. Can you guess what it is?
1: Compound interest. Yes. All right. All right. (laughs) I'm on a roll already.
0: For your trivia question, how many people in America do not know what compound interest is? Uh, 57%.
1: 70%. That's what I said.
0: I feel like (laughs) we're failing.
1: Oh, that's pretty That's That's a lot of people.
0: So everyone listening, don't turn this episode off. This is the most important episode we've ever done.
1: All right. So does that mean they just don't have bank accounts or what does that mean?
0: They might have bank accounts, but they don't understand what's going on in there. They they
1: don't know why people are just giving them extra money at the end of the year. They have no idea. Where is this extra money coming from? I might not even know that the money is increasing at the end of the year, I guess.
0: Right. So before we do um, a deep dive into this, I did want to mention a couple things. So a few of you have reached out to me recently and um, actually sent me some typos that I've had on our website. So thank you very much. I appreciate um, whenever people catch my errors, I'm more than happy to fix it as soon as I can. And I just wanted to quickly mention, we do have a referrals tab on our website. So if you go to moneyinthebankpodcast.com, there's a referrals tab we don't get paid to put anything on there but if you use our links we do sometimes get a kickback not for all of them just for some but there is one um i guess website on there that we have used for a long time and it their sign up is expiring soon so the program is going to still exist but i don't know like how easy it will be to be able to refer people so that is for prolific so we use that as like a survey taking website and it's the one that we've Found typically gives us the best payout.
1: Right, yeah. Easy Easy surveys, best, you know, monetary return at the end of the day for per survey.
0: Yeah, um, so I know I was just doing a couple the other day that were literally like 7 to 10 minute surveys and it was like a dollar. Mm-hmm. So Not a lot of work. It's a good payout. I typically average about $30 a month. So not like, you know, sending any records, but it's a nice little bonus, I guess.
1: Right. It's a nice little alternative to just like browsing Facebook or Instagram or something, right? Yeah. For 10 minutes.
0: So if anyone's interested, you can still hop on over to our website right now, click referrals. Prolific is still on there. I believe It will will be up until mid-March. So, you know, if you're interested in kind of another way to make some money online, that's a good way. Again, no pressure. I just wanted to highlight that since I have been getting a couple questions about it lately. So, Um, and feel free to check out the rest of our referrals. I know Mint is on there, which is something we've used and loved. I know Personal Capital is up on there and all sorts of fun software that we actually genuinely use and enjoy. Right,
1: and it's all free. Like we don't pay for any weird software or anything. Yeah, (laughs)
0: nothing on there will cost you money. So, okay, back to compound interest. So I really want to do this episode in a way that literally everybody can understand. So I wanna say that in the beginning because I think if people still have questions, if we say anything that is confusing, I would really like listeners to let us know. Um, because I think for us, sometimes we can get a little ahead of ourselves, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is compound interest? Brett, how would you define it?
1: Uh, so you're, you're loaning out your money by putting it in the bank to the bank, and the bank pays you some amount of money to borrow it. Correct. Right? So, that's, so at the end of the day, they're giving you money to let them borrow money.
0: Yeah, so to to say that in a different way, when you give a bank money, it's not like they just take your money. Let's say you give them $1,000. They don't just like take that and
1: put it in the vault. Put
0: it in the vault, right? They loan that back out. So let's say that you put $1,000 in your emergency fund. But then you also have a house and you have a mortgage. Well, your money is basically getting loaned back out to you. So <laughs> so the bank is charging you, you will say 4% for your mortgage. And then because you know, they have to pay their workers and everything. They can turn around and give that, you know, thousand dollars in that savings account, 1% interest, let's say. Um, And they can do that because they're, you know, that spread, I guess is 3% to pay between the 4% you're paying for your mortgage and the 1% that they're paying for their savings account holders. And then that 3% covers all of their employee costs and all of that jazz. And profit. And profit. Yeah. So what, so, but I guess when we say compound interest, it's not just earning interest on that, that $1,000, right? We just, right? Said, we just explained regular interest. Because that's yeah. simple interest. So if I get 10% interest, we'll say, just to make it more fun, and I have $1,000 in the bank, that means I would get $10. No, I'd get $100. Well, $100. get $100 at the end of the year. Regular math. Um, regular math, really good. Okay, so I'd get $100 at the end of the year. The beauty of compound interest is that the second year, Instead of just getting $100 again, you'd get $110 because your original $1,000 is paying you... You can think of that as it's going to pay you $100 every single year, right? Steady mm-hmm. stream. But then when you get that $100, if you reinvest it, it kind of sets up its own stream forever of $10. Right. But then that $10 <laughs> sets up its own stream of $1. Right. And then that $1 sets up its own stream of 10 cents. Right. But then you add all that together and you just keep churning. And that's the magic of compound interest. So
1: year over year, it just keeps adding and keeps adding in or basically multiplying over time.
0: Like rabbits. Right. (laughs) That's a good way to think about it. Yeah.
1: If you're
0: not like a numbers person, like you start with two rabbits and then all of a sudden you have a hundred Right. Right? Mm -hmm. And that's that's really honestly what compound interest feels like to me, because I remember, like, I've always been somebody who plans ahead. And I remember like sketching out, like, how long is it going to take me to save up this amount of money for, you know, down payment on a house or whatever and thinking it was going to take me so long. And then once my money starts, like earning money, I think of it as like I have these little green worker dollars that are just like off in their own little factory making more money every day for me that mm-hmm. I don't even have to do any work for it anymore.
1: Right. And I think I think my parents showed this to me because we used to get the, you know, every time we would deposit something into our my bank account, like my personal little kid savings account, my parents would show me the slip, the, the deposit slip, and it would tell me how much like interest I made on my money that's been in the account. Right. So we could look at it like every month and be like, okay, your money that's in here, this like, you know, $150 that you have in this account, made like the, you know, whatever, $1.50 for you. Like you just got an extra $1.50 for nothing. So like if you add more money to that, you get more of that, right? That's, the, again, that's the regular interest. But then if you leave it in there, that $1.50 that they just paid you, right? Now you have $151.50, right? So the next time you're getting even more money, more money paid out. So then it became like a goal of mine to like increase that dollar amount so much and like keep it piling in there to, increase that number that they were paying me to get it as high as i could
0: yeah and so i think a a really important thing um there too that like lesson you learned was not oh sweet i got paid a dollar fifty i'm gonna take that dollar fifty out and buy myself a dilly bar (laughs) um and you know like have that 150 left and the next month i'll get another dilly bar you learned like well if i leave that dollar fifty in there that's gonna really help speed up the process. Right, and I, want, again, I want them to
1: pay me more money next time. Right. right. I want them to pay me like $100 and every time I look at this slip, right? How do I get to that point? But
0: that is the magic of compound interest is leaving it alone. So when we talk about compound interest, it's not like the, oh, you earned 10% this year, like you just get this money now to use. the The real magic comes from leaving it alone.
1: Right, because if you take it out, then it's just regular interest, right? You just get that. You, you break all the chains, right? right? You break all the streams, and you only ever have that one stream. That $1,000 is just giving you that $100 a month or, yes. or $100 a year. And, right, there, there's no gain there. If you, you have to keep stacking it in order to gain any benefits.
0: Yes, yeah, so I think we should do a story time. How do you feel about story time?
1: Uh, do we have puppets or something?
0: No, no puppets. Um, maybe you got finger puppets? <laughs> um, no, so... When I was 19 is when I opened my first mutual fund. And I think this is actually a really good story that highlights uh, the power of compound interest. And um, these are all real life numbers. This is a real life example. So I just think it's like kind of a powerful journey. So let's, let's get started, let's buckle in. So the summer between my freshman and sophomore year, I decided to be a crazy person and work two jobs that summer. So I knew from the prior year freshman year that I spent about $4,000 between books, gas, going home on weekends, you know, fun little trips with my friends, going out to eat, whatever. That was like my annual budget at that time was $4,000, which is kind of amazing. Like I wish I could get back to that. Um, But you know, obviously (laughs) that included room and board was covered. So it was, that was just my spending money, I guess. So going into sophomore year, I knew I was going to work on campus a little bit, but I wanted to be able to save up four thousand dollars over the summer again so that I didn't like if I didn't get as many hours at my job or it didn't work out, like I could survive, right? Mm-hmm. So I remember I you know worked I worked at Mancinos and then I worked at um the country club of Lansing on a you know on this out on the stand on the golf course. It was a very fun summer job actually you, you
1: were the hot dog girl. I like. was the hot
0: dog girl, <laughs> yeah, but I I made a, like a mean chicken, grilled chicken sandwich, actually, that was my <laughs> specialty. Um, so yeah, I worked both those jobs and then, I, I i mean, I literally worked all the time. Like Sometimes I would only have like one day off for the whole week or sometimes I wouldn't even have a day off in a week. And it was a lot of work, right? Like it sucked. I won't sugarcoat it, that summer was like really hard. Um, I didn't get to see my friends from school a lot, like I didn't make it to, back to Indiana very often. So that was pretty sad for me. Um and when I did have a day off, like I I was just like tired. So I would just want to like <laughs> read or like watch movies, which also was the benefit of like I didn't end up spending as much money that summer as I thought I was going to. So I ended up working all that summer and I had an extra $1200 at the end of it. So I, I got to 5200. I thought I only needed 4000 and <laughs> I was like, "Well, I I don't think I need this 1200." And again, I've mentioned on the podcast that my dad is a financial planner. So he had the suggestion of like, well, you could put it in a mutual fund if you want to save it more for the future, like if you know you don't need it. But I was actually very apprehensive to do that. So we came up with the bright idea that there was a CD that I could get that was only a six month CD. So if I got it in August, I'd have my money back in February. So let's say I get into second semester of school and I'm like, oh, You know, last year I only spent $4,000, but this year things are different, my books are more expensive, I would be able to get that money, you know, pretty quick into second semester to pay for expenses. So I was like, that sounds good to me. So my interest on that was going to be like 3% or something. So shoved it in a six month CD, kind of forgot about it. Fast forward to February, I was actually a little bit ahead of schedule because I had been working that year and I was like, yep, I don't need this $1,200. I actually had come up with like another four hundred that I also didn't need, so (laughs) get that up to a whopping like sixteen hundred, right? And I talked to my dad, and I was like, "Yep, you know, I think it's time for me to buy my first mutual fund because I don't need this money." But what I did do is with the twelve hundred dollars turned into like twelve hundred and twenty-one dollars from being in the CD. Just leaving it there, yeah. Yep. And so I said, "Hey, friends, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put my twelve hundred dollars in the CD." Or in in a mutual fund. But with this 20 bucks, I'm going to throw a pizza party to celebrate buying my first mutual fund. So if we're following to this point, I got a CD, got some sweet bonus money, decided I'm going to buy my first mutual fund, but I'm also going to buy a pizza party. So I'm having a really good time so far, you know? (laughs) So I put that money in the mutual fund and the extra 400, but just to keep it easy, we're going to talk about the 1200. And I literally just forgot about it. So, well, not literally. I mean, I knew it was always there. It always felt really good to have this money there, but I've never touched it. I have, you know, so I was able to actually log back in. and it's almost about nine years ago exactly that I put this money in. Brad, do you want to guess how much my1200 dollars has turned into?
1: Uh, a couple hundred dollars. Well, money, it's supposed to double every 10 years, right? So you got to be getting close to that. So maybe close to $1,000. I had $1,200. Oh, yeah, like
0: $1,000. You thought I went backwards 200
1: No, in nine in nine years because it wasn't quite in, in addition. What? Um, Sorry, okay. total, total. So
0: you think I have like $2,200? $2, yeah,
1: somewhere around there.
0: I have $2,756.
1: Wow. So, more you know, you're a little bit ahead of schedule.
0: Ahead of schedule. Um, and... That's pretty great. So, so I actually wanted to talk though about here here's my different options. Now I'm super excited that I have this money. I'm like, good job 19-year-old Angela. I love you, right? Like I don't know what I'm going to do with this money yet, but it's nice to know I have it, right? Like mm-hmm. it's a it's a nice thing that 19-year-old Angela did for me. But what what were my other options, right? So I took that money out in February. I also remember sophomore year, I got invited to go on a spring break trip to Mexico, which would have cost right about $1200. So, at this point in life, I could have a memory of a spring break trip, right? Which probably didn't need to have that. So, I'm happier with the $1200. I also could have put the money in and then taken the interest out every year, so I could have a balance of $1200. And let's say, you know, I averaged 9.3% interest, I think it was, but we'll round up to 10 just for convenience sake. So I'm basically making $120 a year on this money now. Mm -hmm. So I could have six pizza parties a year, and I could have had that every year since then, or, but instead I chose to let the money keep growing. So at this point, now I'm basically earning, so back then it was like $120 a year. Now I'm earning $270 a year. Right. So, like, it's really kind of ramping up for me. So, I wanted to share that example to show, like, the true power of compound interest. Right.
1: And that's without adding anything else to it.
0: I've never added a dollar to it. All you did was
1: you added nine years ago, you just put this money in this account and then just never did right. it.
0: Right. So, nine years ago, instead of going on a spring break trip, I put this money in an account and now I have a basically source of income that is now at basically thirty eight dollars a month-ish. Mm-hmm. Right somewhere right around there. Um, And so now I could have a pizza party every month, right? So, like, (laughs) that's the power of compound interest. You go from a pizza party...
1: One time. One
0: time to a pizza party every month. Mm -hmm. And and then it'll just keep growing from here, right? So in another 10 years, if I don't touch it, that 2,700 is going to be 5,400 and and it's just going to keep going, right? Right,
1: and that's the rule, right? That's the rule of compound interest is it generally will double... Whatever mo- amount you put in, it will double after 10 years.
0: Right. And so now 19-year-old Angela set up 65-year-old Angela in retirement to have, like, a pizza every day. <laughs> so, you know. Right? But, I, like, genuinely, I mean, that money, if I leave it until I retire, just even though that was before I started saving for retirement, before I had a 401k, that is allowing me like a really good source of income in retirement.
1: Right, because you're talking about 40, because you were 19, you said?
0: I was 19. So
1: you're basically 20 years old. And so if you're trying to like have that money when you're like 60, right? So you get 40 years of I get of four doublers. Yeah, so.
0: Like, not that a lot of people get four doublers. I mean, some people start saving for retirement in their 40s and they're only ever going to get two doublers. All right,
1: so you got $10,000 out of it,
0: right? Yeah. Right, yeah.
1: 12 to two, two to four. 5, 5 to 10. Oh, and then 20. Yeah. So I do 20. Yeah. There you go. So for putting, yeah, 19-year-old Angela putting in $1,200, you end up with $20,000.
0: Right. So so really the question we should start asking college students is, is your spring break worth $20,000 instead of 1200 right? Right.
1: Yeah. How, how, how valuable are those memories about when you're 60? Yeah. yeah so... And not that you shouldn't ever go on vacation ever and you should be banking everything to mutual funds, but right, don't jump on every single opportunity that comes up. Be very more you know, be a little bit more selective and say, you know, investing is also an opportunity that you have access to.
0: Well and maybe that's the point that I should bring up. This was one time in college. I didn't do this the following year. I you know, the following summer I worked at a job that was more high paying than the summer before. So between my freshman and sophomore years, I worked at two minimum wage jobs and I worked a ton to like accrue that much money. The next year, I basically like doubled my income because I got a really good internship and I was working 40 hours a week instead of 80 hours a week. So I had I didn't save as much that summer because I had more time to spend money. Like <laughs> having time is a luxury that costs an enormous amount of money is, is what I learned like that second summer. So I went back to school with about the same that I had the summer before because I just like wasted money that summer. The following spring break, I did go on a spring break trip. So I'm not even telling people like, deprive yourself of this forever. It's literally, I made like a one-time sacrifice at a young age mm-hmm. and I set myself up for a lot of success. Right. So, like, I think that's the really important lesson out of it, I guess. Like, you don't have to do this all the time. It's just like, you the, know... The
1: more you do it, right, the more it'll snowball into like a huge benefit for future you.
0: Right. Right. And, you know, I think... I don't know. I guess I always learned at a young age, like it takes money to make money. And that's really what compound interest is all about, right? Mm-hmm. It's like the money that will continue making money for you.
1: Yeah. And the more that, I mean, the more that you put in now translates to less you have to work later in life. Right. Right. So you can look at anything that you put in now, multiply that by compound interest, right? Whatever that formula is, Whatever the factors are, whatever you put into it times your growth rate over time. But the money, your money will turn into more money and more money and more money. And eventually, future you will be like, I can retire.
0: Right? Yeah. Or, you know, I mean, I think the other example is like, it always sounds so crazy to have to save up money for even closing costs on a house, right? Closing costs can be a few thousand dollars on a house on top of the down payment that you have to have. And, I think that's another really powerful thing. So when I was 19, when I put this money in, if I would have done that when I was 20 and 21, let's say, so I had, you know, 3,600 that I would have put in there instead of the 12,000 or 1,200. Then at this point, instead of the, you know, 2,800 I'm at, I'd be at almost $10,000. And that right there would be covering my closing costs on a house and a decent chunk for a down payment. Mm -hmm. So I think like that's where it gets really important too. It's not always necessarily about, super long-term retirement, but we're also talking about midterm money here of like, what are your goals in the next 10 to 15 years? And if you can get one doubler in there, like how much does that help your savings goal?
1: Right, because if you can go, right? If new car is a great example. Instead of like throwing $20,000 at a, you know, brand new car or something, you know, if you can go 10 years with like buying a used car or something way cheaper, or keeping the car that you have now and just making it work, that you can turn that $20,000 into $40,000, right? Right. It's a big number to try and just go after that'll just like poof into existence, right? If you can just like put up with like a little bit of, you know, voluntary discomfort, which we've talked about before for, for a little while.
0: Yeah. And I mean, that's really kind of the recipe for success in our opinion and how we've come to find a lot of success. You know, like I, I shared my example from college, but I didn't, I didn't stop there, right? So I did that and then sure, like junior and senior year of college, I probably spent more money. But then when I graduated from college, I was like, okay, I knew what was up. I already have this mutual fund. I can start contributing it to again. You know, now that I'm out of college and making money and like laying that foundation for myself it meant that I had a spot for my money to go when I didn't know what else to do with it, which is really important because otherwise, if you're like, well, I have all this money and I don't know what to do with it, you find ways to spend it.
1: Right. Uh, Yeah. According to, you know, one of the episodes we just did, uh, I'm good at spending money on other people (laughs) when I just don't know what to do with it. Right.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, and I remember when we started dating, you didn't I feel like you weren't recognizing the full value of compound interest because you were not really invested in large interest-bearing accounts.
1: No, and I had I had never I had no experience with that, and I didn't have anybody telling me that that was like a good thing to do or like look at that in any way. Right, that was just like a whole other world to me at that point that I like had not accessed yet. Yeah. And now it's like the most important part of our like long-term strategy.
0: So maybe we should talk about, touch on that a little bit. So when we're talking about the magic of compound interest here, we, you know, threw around the idea that your money can double every 10 years. Right. But it has to be invested in the right vehicle. It's not going to do that. You can't
1: leave it in your savings account (laughs) that has like 0.0001% interest, right? That doesn't work that way.
0: Yeah. It doesn't just double overnight. So so we're talking about mutual funds. Mm -hmm. And... Generally, you can expect to get about 7% for a historic average in, you know, most index mutual type funds. Obviously, performance varies. Don't shoot the messenger. Right. <laughs> um, so that's, but the,
1: the longer you leave that in there and don't touch it, the more it'll stabilize over time. Right. Because it'll hit highs and it'll hit lows. But it'll like it always just kind of fluctuates around. and it comes back to normal.
0: Right. Um, Bonds, if you want to go that route, typically you're going to, and these again vary with time, but you're going to be more in the five, four to five, six percent range for bonds. And then if you peel back another layer, there's CDs, which is, I mentioned I used one in college. Um, what that basically is, is a savings account that gives you a little bit higher interest for the promise of you not touching that money. So it's advantageous for the bank because in a normal savings account, I might put $10,000 in there, but then say, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm going to go buy a car now. That's I was only leaving this money in there until I had enough to buy a car. And now that money's out. Well, then if they were loaning that money out, they have to cover that liquidity again. right? So it's riskier for them. Where in a CD, you're saying, yep, I'm going to put this $10,000 in and I'm not going to buy a car for five years. So I'll buy a five-year CD and you can have this for five years. So the bank can formulate a better plan with that money. So they're willing to give you a little bit higher interest rate for that. So CD rates, I think right now you're going to see... For, for like a one-year CD, we're going to see about 2.5%. For a four-year CD, five-year CD, we might be up to closer to 4%.
1: Yeah, and and that was my primary savings vehicle when I was a kid, right? If my grandma gave me money or birthday money or whatever, I eventually got like $1,000 out there and they were like, okay, we're going to put this in like a three-year CD and or just to dip your toe in the water of like what things can do And they're like, okay, after three years, like this $1,000 is going to turn into $1,300 or whatever, right? Um, and I was like, oh man, that's really exciting. So then I just like locked that money up for three years in that CD and I had a bunch of CDs and they were all stacked together. And when you're a little kid, you like, you don't need a whole lot of access to that money that often. So right. uh, it's a good way to just like, can keep, keep building up wealth. But my CDs were at like seven and a half percent when I was, when I was young. Yeah, right?
0: but you're bragging when... That's when unheard stock, of stock, No, when mutual yeah. funds at that time were getting twenty percent though.
1: Uh yeah. Well, I didn't know what they were because I was like twelve. So <laughs>
0: well, I know, but I'm I'm still saying like we don't want to make the argument that CDs no, are like not, this good investment vehicle because right. they're not. A they're good they're investment not. Vehicle. They're
1: not. You're not optimizing your profitability by using CDs, but right? It's a it's safe ish. To get started, if you if you're afraid to like get, jump in and start with mutual funds, and
0: it's a tool like if it's, you know yeah. you're gonna need like for me, I used it because I was like I might need this money in six months. You don't want to invest in mutual funds for just six months because if they can fluctuate more, right? So mm-hmm. if they're down, then maybe you know that's not a good time to take the money out. But um, with CDs, it's it's good for planning. So and building it, a habit and building a habit. So in my other example of like needing to buy a car, if you know. I have this sum of money, my current car is going to last me for three years, and then I'm going to need to buy a car. A CD can be a good option because you're going to get a little bit higher interest rate. You know your money is going to be safe, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's a good option. But again, it's all about we have all these different tools in our toolbox. Choose the right one, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and the other thing I will say is right now our bank account, our savings account is like, over it's like at 2.3 or 2.4% now. And it's like approaching the same interest rate as a one to two year CD. So at that point, I don't want to lock my money up because I don't want to have this penalty if I decide I need the money sooner. So then savings, a high yield savings account can also fill a gap. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And, And they would teach you kind of the same lesson as a kid of like, you're still getting a lot of interest, right? But then you have a little bit more flexibility if you need that money.
1: Right, right? as a kid though, I didn't have like, cause high yield savings account, you need like a minimum of like $10,000. Not for Ally. Oh really? No minimum. Oh, cool. Yeah. So just use that all the time.
0: So no excuse. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that we recommend Ally. There's no account minimums you can put, well, I think maybe you have to have $25 open in the account, something like that. Um, but you know it's not like a huge, huge hurdle to barrier to entry. Right, you can get no, in you know, and no a decent amount. There's no anything. weird fees, yeah. and then you get um, you know two, two point two, two point four percent interest somewhere around there. So it's a pretty good deal. Um, but again, if you're when we're really talking about compound interest, we're talking about getting that money invested long term into mutual funds and really kind of targeting people you know saving for retirement in their four hundred one ks, and that's where you're really going to see a lot of magic happen. So. Start say, re- you know, Saving for retirement doesn't sound fun, but it really is a lot of fun. So start early, start young, and you will continue to thank yourself year after year when you can throw a pizza party every month.
1: Or every day. Or every day.
0: <laughs> I mean, just wait. I, I don't know, maybe this will be a fun experiment because I plan to leave that money in the mutual fund, my you know, measly $1,200 nine years ago, so we can update people in you know, another 10 years on the podcast and see if I like keep doubling my money every 10 years.
1: That's right. Cool.
0: All right. Well, thanks for tuning in, guys. I will drop all of my contact information in. If you have any questions about, you know, where should I be putting, you know, my money or what savings account, you can always email me any of these questions and I will definitely help you out and respond. So I will link all of that in. And thanks again for tuning in this week. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Money in the Bank. Make sure to subscribe to us on the iTunes or Stitcher app so that you get weekly alerts every time we post a podcast. Or if you want, you can visit my website, moneyinthebankpodcast.com. And if you want to reach out with any questions or further comments, please email me at angie at moneyinthebankpodcast.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Money in the Bank.